there's, this scripture's not on your message guide, um, but I want you to write this scripture and make note of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19 is where we're going to begin. And we're talking about resurrection. And I hope you know resurrection's not just a topic that we can talk about at Easter time. I know every Easter, you know, the topic of the message is resurrection. But resurrection's not a seasonal thing. Praise God. Resurrection is a present eternal reality that we live in if we are in Christ Jesus. And I understand, I want you to, to know that, that I know that a lot of the things that I've been talking about over the past, well, over a year now, uh, I use a lot of the same terminology. I talk about a lot of the same things. Uh, and, and I'm doing that purposefully because I feel like, well, and I don't just feel like, I, I firmly believe that the church, the church has so missed what the gospel really is. And we're preaching all kinds of things, but we're not preaching the gospel. And I'm not saying people don't love Jesus. I'm not saying people aren't saved. But we can love Jesus and we can be saved and we can have a very... Um, a misunderstanding of really what the gospel is. And if, if the enemy can get you to misunderstand, if he can get you to miss the essence, the truth of the gospel, he can keep you in bondage in this life. He can keep you in fear. He can keep you running after something you're never going to catch. He can keep you working to achieve something you're never going to achieve. And so that is exactly why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Because Jesus Christ is the truth. The gospel is the truth. And Paul said, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Only by the gospel can we be set free. Only by the gospel can we be delivered. Only by the gospel can we come out of death and be translated, transported into life. And so... The essence of the gospel is the resurrection. And the essence of the resurrection is the cross. The cross and the resurrection really are not two separate things. They are one in the same. The cross was the door to resurrection. Resurrection was the end of the cross. It was the finality of the cross. It was what the cross meant to usher in. And so when we talk about the cross, when we talk about resurrection, when we talk about Christ crucified, Paul said, I don't know any other message except Christ and him crucified. And he was talking of this reality of Jesus Christ, not just that he was killed on a cross, but that he went to that cross, he was crucified for all humanity. And in Christ, on that cross, he took within himself the total the complete judgment of all humanity. He died for all humanity. He reckoned every man, past, present, and future, dead to sin because Adam was crucified at the cross. But Jesus didn't stay at the cross. He was put in the tomb and he was resurrected on the third day. And when he was resurrected, he ushered many sons to glory. He opened a way for us to come out of death and into life. And this is what we're going to talk about tonight. And this is important because if the enemy can keep you in bondage to false ideas and false notions, even though you may love God with all your heart, you may love Jesus with all your heart, 
If you don't know the truth, you're not going to be set free. You can know about Jesus. You can have called upon his name. But I'm telling you what, Jesus did something for you. He did something for me to set us free. And when we get a revelation of that by the Spirit of God, I'm telling you what, church, something happens. A powerful, supernatural thing happens. And I'm telling you what, God is a powerful and a supernatural God. And He wants to do powerful, supernatural things in your life and through your life. But God also said, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And if we don't know the truth, we might not know that God not only wants to do supernatural and powerful things in us, but that he also wants to do powerful and supernatural things through us. You are the vessel. It's your hands God wants to use to heal people. It's your mouth God wants to use to prophesy and call those things that are not as though they are. It's your very being that God wants to use to manifest himself to a lost and a dying world. Resurrection. It's so absolutely important. And it's a reality and a revelation we need to come into and we need to live in that reality and that revelation every day. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Paul says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Verse 15, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise, whom he did, I'm sorry, And we testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. In other words, if the dead don't rise, then Christ was not raised up. And he said, we testify of the fact of the risen Savior, of a risen Christ. And if the dead don't rise and Christ has not been raised, then we're liars. Our witness is false. But he says, we are not. We testify of something That is true, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Do you realize that, church? If Jesus just died on a cross, he may have died for your sins, but if he's not resurrected, you are still in your sin. And we're going to talk about why that is. Why Paul makes this very important statement. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. The declaration of resurrection, we said this, the resurrection declares Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with power. Romans 1, 3, and 4, concerning Christ Jesus, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, how? By the resurrection from the dead. So the resurrection declares Jesus Christ the Son of God. The resurrection declares Jesus Christ the firstborn among many brethren. 
Paul goes on in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, he says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be, that Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the resurrection declared Jesus the Son of God. It declared Jesus the firstborn among many brethren. And then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Firstborn and first fruits. Christ is declared by the resurrection to have become the first fruits. What's first fruits? What does that mean? Remember, we talked about this, how they would go and they would cut that sheave of grain, maybe a, a, a barley or wheat, and they would bring it to the temple and they would wave it before the Lord. It was called the, the offering of the first fruits. Jesus was resurrected on a feast called first fruits when they would give to the Lord the first fruits of the harvest before they took any wheat before they took any barley, before they took anything to make bread for themselves, they cut it out of the field, they took it to the temple, and they gave it to the Lord, and they blessed it, and they offered it to the Lord as the first fruits. And what were they doing? They were recognizing, they were honoring God as the one who provided that harvest for them. And in giving the first fruits, it was a sign, this is the first, but there's much more to come. The first belonged to the Lord. The scripture says that Jesus has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The dead. There is a resurrection of the dead. Jesus is the first fruits of that. Now, firstborn, that word firstborn speaks of what? It speaks of sonship. It speaks of children. My firstborn son, my firstborn child. Firstborn speaks of sonship. First fruits speaks of what? It speaks of harvest. It was the first fruits of a barley harvest, of a wheat harvest. They cut that sheave of the harvest and they brought it to the Lord. It spoke of a harvest. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He is the first fruits of the Lord. It speaks of sonship. It speaks of children. It speaks of a harvest. The word first What does the word first imply? If there is a first, then there is going to be a second and a third. The first is just the beginning. It's the commencement. It's where all the rest come from. Jesus was the first. He's the first fruits. He's the firstborn. Both speak of relationship and both speak of responsibility. Jesus, on that day... He told his disciples, he said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are white with harvest. It's harvest time. There's a responsibility that we have as children. The firstborn, the first fruit speaks of a relationship. It speaks of a responsibility that we have. Both speak of a first, a beginning of more to come. 1 Corinthians 20 goes on and it says, It says, for since, in verse 21, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, say all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Say all shall be made alive. Okay, now we're going to park here for just a minute because this is an important uh, thing for us to understand. 
What this scripture is not saying, it is not saying that, that all men will be made alive, that all people will be saved. It's very specific here in what it says. Let me read, let me read this, these three verses again. I want you to listen. I'm going to start in verse 20 this time. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the what? The first fruits, indicating that there is more to come after him. He is the first fruits who, uh, of those who have fallen asleep. For since, and that word asleep signifies what? Death. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, what man brought death? Adam. The word Adam means man. It's where we get our word from. Mankind, the word Adam, it means man. Adam kind, mankind. By man, by Adam came death. For as in, I want you to, remember I tell you this all the time, get your little yellow pencil and when you see that word in, in Christ, color that. Here, this word in is very important. For in Adam, what happened, what happened to those who are in Adam? In Adam, how many die? All die. Who is Adam? He was the first man. Where did all other men come from? Who was the first? Adam. So all other men came out of Adam. In Adam, what happened to Adam? He fell into disbelief. He died. If you eat of that tree, God says, you'll die. In the day that you eat of it, you shall die. He ate of the tree, and what happened to Adam? He died. Where did Eve come from? She came from Adam. Somebody asked me this week, hey, have you ever heard of the other Genesis story? I said, well, which one? There's a lot of them. You know the other one where God made Adam and Eve from the dust of the earth. I said, I'm going to stop you right there. It's, it, it's, it's a lie. Well, how do you know? I said, because Eve didn't come from the dust of the earth. Eve came from Adam. Well, how do you know? I said, because Eve is a type of the church and Adam is a type of Christ. And the church didn't come from the dirt. It didn't come from the earth. The church was birthed from her Savior, Jesus Christ, just like Eve was birthed. She was created out of Adam, the first man. Just like the church is created out of Adam, the last man. The last Adam, Jesus Christ. Why did Eve die when Adam ate the fruit? Because she was, she was, up, she was one with her husband. They both ate it, they both died, but I'm telling you what, all humanity died right there. And this is why Paul says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Does that mean now that Christ has gone to the cross, now that Christ is crucified, all men will be saved now? How many men will be saved? All who are where? In Christ. If I am not in Christ, I'm talking to you about the gospel. I'm preaching the gospel to you right now. If you are not in Christ, where are you? You're in Adam. If you're in Adam, what is your condition? You're dead. If you are in Christ, are you in Adam still? 
If you are in Christ, are you alive or dead? Why? How do you know? Because I say so? Or because the scripture says so? Because in Christ, all, A-double-L, all shall be made alive. You notice it doesn't say in Christ, only those who behave the very best shall be made alive. It doesn't say in Christ, all those who keep all the rules and regulations shall be made alive. I'm not opposed to rules and regulations. I'm not opposed to clean living. But I'm telling you what, your rules and your regulations and your clean living, how you wear your hair, how long your dress is, whether you wear makeup, don't wear makeup, none of that matters. The only thing that does matter, are you in Christ? The rest is just a facade. The rest is just of this earth. It's going to pass. But what you have in Christ, who you are in Christ, it is eternal. So do you see what Paul is saying? For in Adam all die, but in Christ all shall be made alive. So in Adam all die, in Christ all are made alive. How do I come to be in Adam or how do I come to be in Christ? It's a good question. I come to be in Adam as what? As I am born into Adam how? Through the flesh. When I'm born, when I was a baby born out of my mama's womb, I was born in Adam. Jesus said in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So how do I get born in Christ? I come to be in Christ as I am born again. You understand why Jesus said you must be born again? Because if you're of Adam, if you're in Adam, you're, you're dead. You were born into Adam, you were born into death. You need to be born again. Because all those who are in Christ shall be made alive. So I come to be born in Christ as I am born again into Christ. How? Through faith, by the Spirit. By grace, through faith, you have been saved. It's not of yourself. So that, Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus answered and said to him, Nicodemus, I'm telling you the truth. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? Because flesh and blood will not see the kingdom. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom. Flesh and blood will not come into the presence of God. Only spirit will. If I'm born of the flesh, if I'm in Adam, I'm dead. I got a problem. I can behave as well as I want. I can dress as religiously or irreligiously as I want. It doesn't really matter. I can have all the right doctrine. I can have all the right traditions. I can make men happy till kingdom come. But if I'm not in Christ, I got a problem. So through faith, through faith in the resurrected Christ and his work of redemption, you are born again and made alive. Where? In Christ. In Christ. Grace. Here's what grace does, church. Grace Doesn't give me a license to go commit sin. Grace allows you to awaken. Grace wakes you up. God says, hey, you sleeper. Hey, you who are asleep. You who are in death. Wake up. It calls us to awaken. It allows us to awaken. And then exercise that faith as an act that leads to salvation. 
See, it's only grace that wakes me. It's only grace that awakens me. It's only grace that allows me to make a decision whether I'm going to act on faith. That's why Paul said to every man, to every man has been given what? A measure of faith. That measure of faith enables me by God's grace to choose whether I want to be in Adam or whether I want to be in Christ. Grace allows you to awaken and then exercise that faith as an act that leads to salvation, which is what? Which is a new birth in Christ. Salvation is a new birth in Christ Jesus. So in, gra- in Christ, remember, what do we say? The declaration of resurrection is that Jesus is the firstborn, that he is the first fruits, that he is the son of of God. So in Christ, the Son, you are born again and become in Christ a son. A son of what? A son of God and a partaker of the divine nature. So the resurrection declares God our Father as we come to be born again in the Son. The resurrection declares the sons of God. It declares his son, it declares sonship. It declares you or anyone that is in Christ. If any man, if any boy, if any girl, if any woman, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. In Romans 8:17, Paul says this. The resurrection declares the sons of God. Paul says this in Romans 8, 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that speaks of the cross, that we may also be glorified together. That's the resurrection. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What is the glory that shall be revealed in us? Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for what? It waits for the revealing of the sons of God. It waits for the full manifestations of The full manifestation of the sons to be revealed. The sons of God. Not just any sons, but the sons of God. Who was the first son of God? Jesus, the firstborn. Jesus, the firstfruits. The high king of heaven. The one and only begotten son of God. But now, for those who will believe, those who will receive, he gives the right to become children of God, John 1.12 says even to those who believe upon his name. So now we can become children of God. For you are all sons of God, it says. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we are able, we are able to what? We are able to cry out. Because of his resurrection, we are now able to cry out, Abba, Father. So you're suffering with him. Paul says, if indeed we suffer with him. How do we suffer with him? Does that mean we need to go around and and inflict ourselves? That's works. You're not saved by works. You don't get favor with God by trying to live a hard life. How do we suffer with him? 
We go to the cross with him. We identify with the crucified life. Jesus suffered and died on a cross. The same suffering is, is what he invites us to participate in. If we will not suffer with him, if we will not identify with that cross, if there is no crucifixion, there is no resurrection. So Paul says, if we suffer with him, that we may indeed, what? That we may also be glorified together. Your suffering with him is in the cross. Your glorification with him is where? It's in the resurrection. When is that going to happen? One day in the future after you die? Or have you... Remember Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said, if you can, if you can receive this, he said, John the Baptist is Elijah. You know why he said that? Because he knew they would have a hard time receiving that. Because they had this thing up here. Yeah, but everybody's told me this is the way I'm supposed to believe. Yeah, but everybody's told me this is the way it is. And Jesus is saying, if you can receive this, if you can believe this, if you can catch hold of this by the Spirit, I'm telling you what, you are already in the resurrection. It's not an event waiting to happen. Yeah, this body is yet to be redeemed. Yes, this earth is yet to be redeemed and adopted, but I'm telling you what, you are living in resurrection life and resurrection power. And until you get that revelation by the Spirit, the enemy is going to hold you under his thumb. He'll do it. And I'm telling you what, church, we need to get that revelation. I can't give it to you. No man can give it to you. It will only come by the Spirit of God. How bad do you want to know the truth? Well, then go after it. And you're not going to receive it from me or, or any other words of man. I can tell you truth. I can impart truth to you. But only by the Spirit can you take hold of it. Only by the Spirit can you get a revelation of it. I can preach and teach truth to you all day long. But until you take hold of it by the Spirit of God, it'll just be sound waves bouncing off your eardrums. When do we take hold of it by the Spirit of God? When God wants us to, yeah. But what happens when God wants us to, but we're still not taking hold of it? What is our, what is it that we are called to do? What is our exhortation? God said, told Jeremiah, he said, tell the people, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek after me with all your heart. Jesus said, let me tell you something about prayer. Be persistent. Yeah, but I knocked and they didn't answer. Go back and knock again. I looked, but I couldn't find. Go look some more. I asked, but I didn't receive. Go ask again. How bad? How bad do you desire a revelation that will transform you and set you free? The glory that shall be revealed is Christ in you. The revealing of the sons of God is Christ in full manifestation. Do you believe that the manifestation of Christ in the earth is totally dependent upon his physical return one day? Or do you believe 
that there is a manifestation of Christ in the earth that can come through his body in the earth. I'm going to submit to you, I believe there is a manifestation of Christ in the earth that will come through his body in the earth before the physical return of Christ. And I believe in a physical, bodily, second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe when he comes, he is coming and his bride will be glorious. There will be a manifestation of Christ in the earth, unlike what we see today. There is coming a manifestation that we have not seen in our lifetime. And it's not dependent upon some hocus-pocus, mystical, whacked-out experience. It is totally and completely dependent upon the people of God, allowing the Spirit of God to do an inward work of transformation in their hearts and in their minds. And God is doing it. He's doing it. Sonship. The, the resurrection declares the sons of God. Sonship is the declaration of the resurrection. Sonship is the declaration of his life and his light. I, I wrote, a, I copied down a piece. Caleb had, had posted a piece on our forum that came from a gentleman named Douglas Wilson. In a and I actually had read this. Um, he posted this, I guess, prior to Easter. And, and it went so along with what I was doing here. And I, I, I copied part of it. And I want to read it to you. Because it so fits with what I'm talking to you about here. Now, we're going we're gonna to end here tonight on this, on this topic of sonship. And we're going to pick up on this next week. Now, next Saturday night, we're going to have a baptismal service. And our Saturday night is going to be devoted to the baptisms. If you're here and you're born again and you've never been water baptized, I would really, really encourage you to sign up to be baptized. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to have a baptismal service. We're going to talk about baptism. I mean, we're talking about resurrection. What a, you couldn't have a more perfect picture of resurrection than, than, than you do through baptism and all that baptism represents. And so there's, uh, there's people that, that need to be baptized. They've come to faith in Christ, and, and they've been waiting. So we're going to do a baptismal service next Saturday night. And so uh, I'm not going to preach the continuation of this message on Saturday. It, it'll be Sunday, but you can, if you can't come Sunday morning, then pick it up on the website. You can listen to it online or download it, however you want to do that. But I, I, want, I want you to, I want to really encourage you to listen, either here, online, somewhere. I want you to catch what the Spirit of the Lord is saying because this is so important for the church. And we need to understand that the things that we're talking about are not just moments in time, events that happen. This is a process that takes place over the course of our, of our time of visitation on this earth. Let me, let me read what Douglas Wilson had to say. Just, just read with me in your message guide here. The Apostle Paul says that we are to live in the light in such a way as to reprove the filthiness that the world gives itself to in the dark. Note how he puts it. But all things that are reproved or exposed are made manifest by the light. 
For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep. And arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. That's from Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. And then he goes on and he says this. We have been raised because Christ was raised. But we are not to spend our time congratulating ourselves over our resurrection state. Having been raised, we are changed to turn to the world and say to them, to those captured in a deep sleep, Awake! You that sleep, awake! Your sleep is death, and so we come to you with a gospel call. Christ is risen. We are risen, and now you must rise. And when you rise... The Lord Jesus, the risen Christ, will shine upon you and give you light. The resurrection declares that Jesus is the Son of God. The resurrection declares that God will judge all the nations through him. And the resurrection declares that he is the Son, S-U-N, the Son of righteousness, warming a once frozen world. Rise, O sleeper, rise from your death. Rise from the comforts of all your sins, and Christ will shine upon you. Sonship, church, is awakening from sleep, arising from death, and allowing Christ to shine his light upon you and through you. Sonship is a testimony that is continuously manifesting. It's not good enough for me to say, I am a son of God. Now I'm going to just sit and wait until God takes me home to heaven. See, sonship is a testimony that continuously manifests in our life. When? When we're in church? Yeah. How about when you're on the job? How about when you're driving down the road? How about when you're sleeping in your bed? How about when you're watching TV? How about when you're with your family? How about when you're by yourself? How about anywhere and everywhere, whatever you may doing? Sonship is a testimony that continuously manifests. During the day, when does the sun not shine? As long as it's day, is the sun shining? Yes. Do we see the light? Do we feel the light? Yes, we do. It is day. The day has come. The light has come. The light is shining. It does not stop. And we are sons of light. We have been brought in by the resurrection. We have been brought into sonship. And God has arisen. He has shown his light Upon us, and we are called to rise up and issue that gospel call to rise up out of sleep, to rise up out of death. By grace, choose life. Because if we are in Adam, we are in death, but in Christ, all shall be made alive. So, we're going to talk about sonship, this continuing manifestation this continuing testimony and how God takes us we live in the midst of death but the power of resurrection and the power of life ever works in us and through us it doesn't matter whether we're in a tomb it doesn't matter where we are 
The power of resurrection never stops working. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it's in you. There is a reason why God said, I will not leave you or forsake you. He wasn't talking about your eternal security. He was talking about your condition here on this earth, that as you walk in this earth, he is in you. His spirit is in you. He is not going to withdraw his spirit. It will never be night for you. There will never be death for you. The spirit of life, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you he will not withdraw it from you but if the enemy can blind your eyes and make you believe that spirit is not there that that spirit is something you'll get one day or that spirit somehow is less powerful than, than yourself if you believe any of those things you have been rendered ineffective and God wants to deliver you from that ineffectiveness God wants to deliver you from that state of sleeping that state of, of unconsciousness. He's saying, wake up, church. Wake up. The Spirit of God is in you. It will not leave you. It will not forsake you. It will give strength even to your mortal body. It will do it. The declaration of resurrection. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, come on up, worship team. And as they come up, I want to know, is there anyone here who would like prayer? I mean, even right now, if you say, you know, Pastor Jeff, man, I am not living in that kind of victory or that kind of knowledge or that revelation of the truth. I feel like the devil's got me under his thumb and he won't let me up.